Hey everybody, welcome to Trashy Divorces, everybody's favorite good podcast about bad relationships. My name is Stacy. Hey friends, Alicia here. Thank you so much for joining us today with a story that might surprise you. Who do you have for us today, Alicia? The tale of Victoria Gotti. Some might call her a mafia princess. She's Mm. the daughter of John Gotti. But Victoria's life wasn't really quite how you may have imagined it. Sweet dreams are made of something. Who am I to disagree? (laughs) Before we begin today's episode, we do have this magic mirror right here with a few names. It's time to give some tremendous thanks and praise to our most recent supporters over at patreon.com slash trashy divorces. Thank you so much for joining us, Wendy S., Rachel, Emma, and Rachel. Double Rachel. Double Rachels. Patreon gets you all kinds of goodies, past and present, several years worth of material. Now, we're so thankful to all of these folks and for you for listening and telling your trashy pals all about the show. Got one more shout out. A very happy, happy birthday to Lindsay B. from her most especially favorite daughter, Caroline They are so cute. They both emailed us about different things for each other. And I just love their trashy mother and daughter duo. Happy, happy birthday, Lindsay. We're wishing you the best from TDHQ. Absolutely. Everybody's looking for something. You're probably looking for this episode. Alicia, what should we do? Let's go, go, go. So, Alicia, Mafia Princess, you say? You'd like to think so. There are a lot of assumptions made about John Gotti's daughter, Victoria, but very few of them are actually true. Her life has been far more complex and nuanced than most people might imagine. Victoria hates the idea of people considering her a quote-unquote Mafia Princess because Victoria actually grows up very poor before her father's lifestyle becomes lucrative, so to speak. Many people don't realize that Victoria fought hard to get out of the life that she grew up in. As an adult, Victoria's worked as a columnist on the New York Post. She was the executive editor of Star Magazine and also an on-air correspondent for Extra. Victoria eventually writes nonfiction books and also had her own reality television show. Victoria, wants to set the record straight, hence the writing books and being involved with television projects about her infamous family in recent years. Being the daughter of a mafia boss, though, does not provide her with a carefree life. Victoria tells E! Online, Being John Gotti's daughter was a mixed bag, and anger toward my father started to fester. It only grew over the next few years. Don't get me wrong, Being John Gotti's daughter had perks that most people would relish. Me, I just wanted to be normal. She does this while filming something. She's taking her driver's test and the test proctor sees who she is and just passes her because he sees her last name. (laughs) Me, I just wanted to be normal. Oh, poor Victoria. Victoria's life has been anything but normal. She has experienced many struggles, tragedies, health issues, family drama, public trials, But for our purposes here, it would not be complete without a trashy divorce. We're going to cover it all in this episode. Let's get into it. So let's talk a little bit about Victoria's childhood and growing up gaudy. (laughs) Similar to Gloria Vanderbilt. Remember Gloria Vanderbilt? Her name was Gloria. 
Gloria Vanderbilt's mother. Her name was also Gloria. Big Gloria, little Gloria. Mm -hmm. Victoria does the same thing here. Victoria's mom is Victoria, John Gotti's wife. We're going to try to make it as clear as we can to keep it simple. I feel like what you mean is Victoria's parents do this to her, basically. (laughs) Victoria Gotti, the child. (laughs) You might think, right, her growing up, her growing up would be a storybook tale of mansions and fur coats and expensive cars, but you would be wrong. John Gotti's children actually were raised very modestly for the majority of their childhood. Several years of childhood, kids live in poverty. They're raised by a single mom, Victoria, because their father, John, is in prison. It would not be until much, much later that the Gotti family would see the financial benefits of John Gotti's mafia lifestyle. Victoria... Gotti is one of five kids born to John Gotti and Victoria DiGiorgio Gotti. Victoria has four siblings, Angel, John Jr., Frank, and Peter. Victoria's not the first kid, she's the second. Let me tell you about the first, Angel. John and Victoria DiGiorgio's first child was a daughter named Angel. She was born in 1961. John and Vicky DiGiorgio are not married at the time of Angel's birth. So that is pretty scandalous on its own for the time. John and Victoria will marry the following year in 1962. This same year, they welcome their second child, another daughter, Victoria. Victoria Gotti was born November 27th, 1962 in Brooklyn, New York. And Victoria has a much more interesting birth story. (laughs) than you might expect. See, her dad, John Gotti, doesn't have the funds, doesn't have the smackaroos. To pay to have his daughter delivered? Correct. He doesn't have the money to pay for his wife's hospital bill Hmm. after having Victoria. So John Gotti, no worries, is going to put his criminal experience to practical use and just sneaks the baby out without paying. Victoria discussed this story Many times in interviews and in her book as well, This Family of Mine, what it was like growing up Gotti. Here's what Victoria says. I've told this story a million times about how my father stole me from the hospital since they didn't have money to pay the bill. It sets my father up as a noble criminal, a Robin Hood. Does it? I often joke that stealing me from the hospital was the most lucrative heist of dad's life, but looking back on all of it, All I can think of is, kid, you were royally screwed. Mm Mm-hmm. That sounds right. Now, it could be hard to believe that Victoria and her siblings don't know what dad does for a living. However, both of her parents, John and Victoria, work really hard to keep the truth from the kids when they are young. It's easier a little bit to do this since the family doesn't have any money to speak of. For the majority of their childhood, Victoria DiGiorgio, mama, makes the most of their clothing. It's all reduce, reuse, recycle. She cuts their own hair. Like you wouldn't think, oh, this family is really doing well. Victoria will tell biography.com, I was raised to believe none of what you hear and only half of what you see. So imagine that. Now, Victoria's parents, John and Big Victoria, 
also both had very difficult and impoverished childhoods. And so their upbringings make it easy for them to raise children with these old school Italian values and closeness of the family unit. Yeah, it sounds like the parents were probably kids like in Depression era. So some transferable skills, it turns out. So as a result, right, the siblings are all real close. Everybody sticks by each other. It is a real tight, tight family. But what were the kids told to be able to explain, hey, where's your pops? Where's Mm -hmm. your dad? Or yeah, or like, what does your dad do for a living? Oh, he's off with Uncle Tommy doing whatever. Kids were told that he was staying at the place they would visit because he was building the facility. Mm, Oh, jail. Yes. Okay, okay. (laughs) Wow, he's in construction, your dad. (laughs) Victoria Gotti says, as a child, I remember looking around one day on one visit, and I had to be no more than five or six, and I happened to look up at this big tower, and I'd never seen it before all those visits prior. I don't think any of us did. And I saw this man, and it was kind of a weird moment, He was by the top of the tower window, and he had this huge, big gun that came out. It wasn't just like a shotgun or a rifle. It was a big gun. And I remember thinking, wow, that's scary. Why would anybody have that at my father's work? (laughs) You know, big respect, though, to parents who do have to navigate that. Like raising kids with an incarcerated spouse, other parents. Yeah. So John Gotti's life of crime doesn't really pay off financially for the family when young Victoria was a lass. It also, I mean, it really does make life far more difficult for the family. Mm -hmm. Let me give you a little rundown on his criminal CV here. John is, well, often arrested and spends time in jail. In 1968, he went to federal prison for three years for truck hijacking and car theft. This leaves his wife, Victoria, alone with five kids, and no way of supporting the family. And although John Gotti was part of the Gambino crime family, at this time in his career, he is not yet a made man. So his family is not taken care of financially during his incarceration. I was going to ask, so he was sort of a, like a contract worker with the Gambinos early on. And he'll get made, but Not for a while, which leaves the Gotti family kind of struggling. Victoria tells E! News about this particular part of her childhood when she was promoting her recent Lifetime movie about her life. She says, Now, I could describe it in a more intellectual manner and know what it was. Hard. Then I didn't. We were poor. We grew up most of my childhood without my father. My mother was holding down five children and struggling. It wasn't all bad, though. The benefits of a big family meant that she had built-in best friends. We loved each other, and we were like my siblings and I. We were our best friends. We had friends on the block and all of that. Mom was strict, but we were loved. We knew we were loved. And even the visits to see Dad, though not as many as we would have liked, we felt secure. We were told how much we were loved. I guess I didn't have much to compare it to. So things get a little better for the family come 1971 because John's out of the John's out of club fed out of the pokey right but it doesn't last long because in 1974 John Gotti will be arrested again mm. and plead guilty to manslaughter Ooh. 
for his role in the abduction and murder of Carlo Gambino's nephew. Yikes. Gotti goes back to prison for four more years. This time when John returns home, though, John had been elevated in the mafia and respected for his willingness to go to prison for his crimes without implicating others in the life, quote-unquote, which is how Victoria Gotti now refers to it. Once John's out, the Gotti family will move to the Howard Beach section of Queens, and this kind of was a major improvement in their standard of living, but still relatively modest. The Gotti family was not living in the mansions with the obvious wealth that we would typically associate with members of the mafia. But all the Gotti children had a safe neighborhood to play in and went to good schools. Victoria tells eonline.com, For my siblings and me, moving to Howard Beach was like moving to Beverly Hills. Our modest four-bedroom home seemed like a mansion. It was clear that we had left poverty behind. And you'd think it would be easier. We're all sunshine and skating happy now, but things do not get easier for Victoria or her mother or her siblings. Victoria says a nicer neighborhood didn't mean an easier life. Her brother, John Jr., was shipped off to the New York Military Academy for his behavior. And soon, John Gotti, Papa, was on the run again after a botched attempt at abducting another gangster in retaliation for a Gambino family murder. (laughs) Victoria says mom was left cleaning up the mess. Tragedy strikes in the family when Frank Gotti, age 12, Victoria's brother, is hit by a car and killed when riding his bike in the neighborhood. That... It's terrible. Given what their dad was involved in, like, oh, wow, just... What a random, that's terrible. You haven't heard the whole story, but needless to say, the family's devastated. And the person that was driving that car that killed young Frank, his name was John Favara. And neighbors claim that John Favara was drunk at the time of the accident. And when he stopped, he saw that he had been pulling little Frank Gotti along Mm -hmm. the road Mm -mm. for a while. And John Favara just yells, why was he riding his bike in the road? The death was ruled an accident by law enforcement. And the tragedy of losing her son changes Victoria, the mom, forever. She becomes extremely depressed. She is unable to mourn the death of her son in a healthy way. I mean, you shouldn't bury your kids. It's terrible. The four remaining kids naturally are very scared and confused by the changes that are happening in their mother's demeanor and behavior. Mom had always been so solid and mom is not solid any longer. Yeah. I mean, she was keeping the whole family together through like dad being in in prison for long stretches. Like mom, Victoria will attempt suicide three Mm. times following young Frankie's death. Mom will even attack John Favara at one point. Mom realizes that John Favara has not washed her son's blood off of his car after several weeks. And so she goes after him, which I probably would too. Mom could not be consoled. She is slowly losing her grip on reality. Victoria will say about her mom during that time, 
It was just something that was incomprehensible, I think, to my mother. She'd walk around nights thinking he was still alive. My mother didn't get better, so my father took her to Florida to see her family for a couple of weeks. By the time mom got back, people had started asking questions. What questions, you ask? It turns out that John Favara goes missing while the Gotties are in Florida. Oh, no. Victoria tells eOnline.com, What happened to John Favara is still a mystery. Do I feel bad about it, if I'm being honest? No. After Frankie's passing, my mother was never the same. Nothing was. Wow, okay. Let's go back and talk about Victoria. She was a very shy child, and... She does know her family is different, even before she knows why or how her family's different. Victoria as a child is often bullied because of her father's absences and because of their impoverished early life. Victoria is not real trusting of others. She's a kid who reads all the time. She becomes very studious. She does fantastic in school. So fantastic, Victoria skips two grades in high school and starts college at 15. Wow. That's pretty fantastic. To her parents, though, Victoria's introverted nature and nose always in a book, her parents are very concerned. This is a point of real concern and aggravation for them. Okay. Parents even suspect that Victoria is autistic. She's not. They just don't like that she's bookish. They're just probably pretty gregarious people by nature and don't understand... Book girls. I'm a book girl. Yeah. Victoria will say her father was always very loving, but will admit that his work <laughs> caused a great deal of emotional issues for her as well. And although, again, all the kids are not told about their father's work, Victoria knows her dad has an unusual job and perhaps suspects being a book girl and all that, that Daddy-O might be on the wrong track. Hmm. She tells eonline.com, I was doubting things that were being told to me. I just grew quiet. I didn't speak. Things started to kind of add up, and I grew, I think, more and more into myself. As children do, Victoria, because she doesn't know anything different, accepts her circumstances, but as an adult has had time to reflect a great deal on those circumstances and how they impacted her as a child. She'll say, I know now what made me a little bit neurotic, what made me painfully shy, what made me overly anxious as a kid into a teenager. I know now why I was always so quiet in a room with strangers, never let anybody in that wasn't someone I was very accustomed to. And then everything else going on around me. Dad used to joke I was five going on 55. I was very perceptive. In addition to... Some anxiety, Victoria suffers from many physical health issues when she's young and throughout her life as well. At the age of 15, Victoria is diagnosed with a mitral valve prolapse. Mm -hmm. Victoria had been having heart palpitations, getting dizzy, and would pass out. So that's mm -hmm. how this medical condition is discovered. She has to take medication and wear a heart monitor. And this would eventually end up causing further issues for her to where Victoria is going to have to take more drastic action. So in addition to mitral valve prolapse, 
That's not her only health concern. Victoria has other issues that present themselves in her teenage and young adult years. When one medical emergency led Victoria to be diagnosed with a condition that would likely cause her to need a hysterectomy by age 25, Victoria suddenly gets into a rush to start the family she knew she wanted. That's going to take a husband. We're going to take a quick commercial break right now and then come back with that part of the story. See you on the flip. Sibling fights are unavoidable, but what if every fight you had was under a microscope on a global scale? That's the reality for brothers Prince William and Prince Harry. They were each other's closest friends and allies since the death of their mother, but that all began to crack as they married and took wildly different approaches to their royal duties. Wondery's podcast, Disentel, is hosted by comedians Sidney Battle and Matt Belisai. Each episode unpacks one of pop culture's most iconic celebrity feuds, and they recently took a deeper look into the real reason William versus Harry started. It's actually much bigger than these two brothers, stretching back into the history of the British monarchy. Did their feud start with the royal family's mistreatment of Meghan Markle, or was it something that started much earlier? Follow Disentel on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. So, Alicia, are you saying early marriage, and I'm sure it goes great? Hmm. <laughs> Poor Victoria. As you probably can imagine, dating John Gotti's daughter was perhaps a little bit of a scary proposition. <laughs> you don't say. John Gotti is extremely protective of his two daughters, Angel and Victoria, and will closely screen anyone who would like to attempt to date either one of them. Don't try to be a wise guy. As Victoria moves into her 20s, she grows increasingly frustrated with her father's tight reins on her love life. Victoria does what many rebellious daughters do. What do rebellious daughters do? We find the worst possible guy. You gotta find a bad boy. Oh, God. Do my parents hate him? How much do my parents hate him? How quickly can we... Fantastic. How quickly can we elope? One of the main things that Victoria finds attractive about the man she fell in love with was he wasn't afraid of her papa. Oh. He's not afraid of dad. That is not great for your life expectancy. (laughs) Well, this particular bit was really fascinating to Victoria. Future, Future boyfriend, future husband also had some characteristics that reminded Victoria of her father. Carmine Agnello was this hot tempered. Young Italian man, he's two years older than Victoria, strong and ambitious and not afraid of John Gotti. Oh, God. All right. I just, I feel for John Gotti here and Victoria, mama, mama and dad. Yeah. Okay. So it's clear that the couple's becoming serious and John Gotti Papa warns his daughter that marrying Carmine would be a mistake. John strongly discourages his daughter from marrying, but does Victoria listen? No. No. In retrospect, Victoria has said that she 
would have seen the warning signs if she hadn't been so blind to them at the time, but a <sighs> oh, young love is so blind. Happens. Although Carmine reminded Victoria of her father in some ways, the thing that Victoria really, really loves, she's thrilled about, is that Carmine is not interested in being in the life, quote unquote. Victoria wants nothing more than to escape the volatile lifestyle she'd grown up in. She doesn't want that for her kids. She sees her marriage as a way to break free from her father. Sure. Perhaps a little naively. Right. But understandable that that would be a motivation. Some probably wonder why John Gotti eventually gives in and allows his daughter to get married to a man that he in no way approves of. And Victoria learns many, many years later that it was because John Gotti was afraid he would lose his daughter if he doesn't give his blessing. Victoria was later told that her father only changed his mind about allowing her to marry Carmine when dad realizes that, in fact, Victoria is ready to elope. And if she does, he'd never see his daughter again. As much as John Gotti does not want her marrying Carmine, he was far more afraid of losing his precious daughter, Victoria. Yeah. Wedding day. You ready? Dun-dun-dun for a brief time. It appears on the wedding day that Carmine changed his mind that he was just going to bail. Okay? Because he and his parents aren't at the church the time the ceremony is about to begin. Wow. Victoria remembers watching her dad's face while she and her sister and her dad are waiting nervously mm-hmm. for the groom to show up. Dad's looking happier and happier. Yes, he is. Okay, quote, he checked his Rolex repeatedly before turning to me and saying, I'm giving Carmine five more minutes, then I'm calling off the wedding and hunting him down like a wild animal. <laughs> Who does he think he's playing with? All right, when Carmine and his family do pull up, John Gotti adjusts his bow tie and lapels to his custom-made tuxedo and turns to Victoria and says, Too bad. I was just coming to terms with the notion this wedding wasn't to be. I was really enjoying the images of what I was going to do to Carmine when I caught him. It is December 9th, 1984, that Victoria Gotti marries Carmine on yellow. But even at the last moment, right before her father walks her down the aisle, John Gotti says to his daughter, Vicky, you still don't have to do this if you don't want to. We could call the whole thing off and change it into an elaborate Christmas party. We could go home. You could change into something more appropriate, and we could just have fun tonight. Now, that's kind of an offer, because I need to tell you about this wedding, right? Like, this is a big deal affair. So, Dad telling her, babe, we could just have a Christmas party. You don't have to do, like, you really, really don't have to do this. Mm-hmm. But Victoria, naively, young and in love, sweet dreams are made of this, tells her father that she wants to marry Carmine. At this wedding, let's just talk about it. Connie Francis sang 1,500 people wow. attended the wedding reception. It was lavish. Victoria tells 48 Hours Mystery, I didn't know half the people at my wedding. They weren't there for me. No, they were there because Carmine's the only person in this universe who's not afraid of John Gotti. So Victoria admits that it was actually her wedding day that finally confirms to her what she desperately, her whole life does not want to believe about her father. 
But of course, Victoria knows by this point that John is involved with suspicious activities, but she never wanted to believe he was actually running a mafia family. Sure. But at her wedding, Victoria realizes that that was the only possible explanation. Quote, my wedding did it for me. It really did it for me because I remember that day and I remember thinking, why are there so many people lining the streets? Why are there so many people outside this church where it was standing room only? I wanted a Christmas wedding, so it would have been a cold day. We wound up having a nice day, but I'm saying it would have been. It was in December and there were so many people. The wedding, even thousands of people. And I went, wow. And then all of these singers and performers coming out and everybody paying homage to dad. I just remember being a very weary bride that night. And my dad would say, come stand next to me. Get your husband. Come stand here. Most of the night, that's what we did. And we were greeting people I'd never laid eyes on before, ever. After that, there was no denying. The stories were there all the time, constantly. Okay, sit down. Hold on to your hat. Apparently, Victoria had become so good at turning a blind eye that Victoria claims that she didn't even know that her dad, John Gotti, had arranged for her new husband, Carmine, to become a member of the Gambino crime family. But of course he did. 100%. It doesn't take long for the marriage to have problems. But understandably, Victoria is a little bit scared to tell her family, especially her dad, about Carmine's behavior. Victoria says, yeah, I was stubborn. I wanted to prove my dad wrong. She was not really willing to admit at that time that she has made a terrible mistake, capital T, capital M, and that, in fact, her father was right about Carmine. The issues start on their honeymoon in Las Vegas. Not good. On that first night, Carmine comes back to the honeymoon suite and announces that he'd lost $30,000 gambling. His own money? Victoria gets upset and Carmine loses his temper. So his volatile behavior and temper flare-ups continue to happen. And what Victoria does not know at the time is that Carmine is suffering from bipolar disorder. Mm. Let's complicate matters a little bit more because Victoria soon realizes returning from the big gambling loss honeymoon that they've gambled in a different way and Victoria is pregnant. You got it. Her family's thrilled and excited for the new baby. Sadly, though, for Victoria, this pregnancy would have many complications and after going into labor early, Victoria gives birth to a stillborn daughter. Oh, that's terrible. Naturally, Victoria is distraught over the loss of her daughter. And this is when she decided to change her look to represent a new time in her life. She goes from a dark-haired beauty to a blonde beauty, which is kind of now how we all recognize her. Changes her look. John Gotti, my baby, my daughter Victoria, her heart is broken. He wants to do anything he can to make his daughter feel better. So John Gotti's going to fly in a fertility expert from out of town to examine and evaluate his daughter. I thought you were going to say he was going to have Carmine killed. So this is better. Not yet. This is better. (laughs) 
after going over her records, the doctor, seeing the damage that was done during her delivery, this fertility expert says that it's going to be damn near impossible for Victoria to ever deliver a healthy baby. John Gotti, not going to be stopped. He loves his daughter, daddy's little princess, more than anything. He's going to send Victoria and Carmine on a luxury vacation. And when Victoria gets home, she's not feeling very well, and her marriage is going even worse than it was before. So Victoria bucks it up. She's going to decide to tell her pops that she had made a mistake. Carmine, this is a terrible mistake, and I would like a divorce. And she's getting ready to do that, but first she keeps an appointment with her doctor because she's not feeling good. Mm-hmm. And Victoria is shocked, I say, to find out that she is pregnant again. Of course, this news changes Victoria's right. mind about the divorce, and this time Victoria does give birth to a healthy baby boy. They name Carmine Gotti on yellow. Okay. Everyone's elated. The next year, Victoria gives birth to another healthy baby boy. They named John Gotti on yellow. And in 1990, she gives birth to her last and third son, Frank Gotti on yellow. I was thinking there would end up being a Frank in honor of her brother. That's exactly right. Mm -hmm. So three boys, which is fantastic. Congratulations, Victoria. But this honestly is not a very peaceful or happy time for the family. It was in the late 1980s that the FBI ramped up their investigations into John Gotti. John is getting a lot of attention in the press as uh, Dapper Don or the Teflon Don, mostly for his fashion sense, but also more especially for not having any charges or allegations stick to him. But that will soon change. That's John. Let's talk about Carmine in the meantime. Is busy, super busy, building his own steel shredding business empire. Steel shredding. Okay. It's a business empire. And Victoria doesn't have a whole lot of time to be involved in this business because she's got three kids and busy doing stuff. Mm -hmm. And Victoria doesn't really question them making millions of dollars. From their basically metal recycling? Steel shredding business empire, mm -hmm. yes. Sure. I mean, millions of dollars. It is the yes. largest steel shredding company in the country. Right. I, too, roll cans to recycle. So with all their newly earned wealth, uh -huh. the... On Yellow set about building their dream home on Long Island. Victoria at this time also starts working as a journalist at the New York Post. But then, everything begins to crash down around the Gotti family. In December of 1990, John Gotti was arrested after an FBI raid. What ensued was a highly publicized and lengthy trial. So now for Victoria, her three young children and her father's trial occupy most of her time and energy. The problems between her and Carmine, what was going on in the marriage at that time, not really a top concern. In 1992, John Gotti was found guilty on all charges he was tried for, and he was sentenced to life imprisonment without the possibility of parole. Gotti was sent to the U.S. Penitentiary in Marion, Illinois, to serve out his sentence. This is tough. He's in solitary confinement, only allowed out of his cell for an hour a day. He gets one phone call per month, and visits with his family were infrequent. So once Papa's trial is over and 
Victoria's boys are getting old enough to be in school, Victoria decides to focus her newly freed time on her own career. This is when she begins writing her first novel. The Senator's Daughter was released in 1997. In 1999, Victoria would publish a medical journal documenting her heart issues Hmm. called Women and Mitral Valve Prolapse. Victoria will write and publish two more novels in 1998 and the year 2000. So she's working hard for the money, caring for her three young sons, visiting her father whenever she's able. And Victoria, along with the entire Gotti family, are devastated to hear that Papa John was diagnosed with throat cancer in 1998. During that same time, tensions between Victoria and Carmine are getting worse And many, many things are happening to make Victoria question Carmine's business dealings and maybe even more questions about potential infidelity and affairs he's having. Apparently, once John Gotti was in prison and then sick with cancer, Carmine is no longer afraid of any repercussions and lets his bad boy fly. I see. So he he had developed a healthy fear of his father-in-law, but once his father-in-law was out of the picture... Until. You got it. Unrestrained. So when Victoria insists that her husband, Carmine, fire his assistant, who Victoria is convinced that Carmine is sleeping with, hmm. Carmine's, oh, mad, big mad, his angry temper explodes. And Victoria's like, hey, man, I'm leaving you. She's, she's making plans for it. Carmine's threats escalate and get worse. So soon during this time, Victoria makes a friend that Carmine does not approve of. And Carmine's like, you can't interact with her. You can't be friends with her. I forbid it. And Victoria will reluctantly agree not to see that woman anymore, but will speak with her friend on the phone occasionally. This story is just bonzo. So you can imagine how surprised Victoria is one night at dinner when Carmine mentions something that Victoria's friend, let's call her Betty, that Betty had sent on the phone earlier that day. And Victoria is not able to really stop thinking about it. And it dawns on her, the realization comes that Carmine had been mentioning several things over the last few weeks that she had not told him she had mentioned on the phone to Betty and I feel like this is a family that's well aware of wiretaps. <laughs> Victoria says that none of these things were important or even a secret. Mm-hmm. She just had never mentioned them to Carmine because they weren't relevant. This is the peppers were on sale at the like, none of this right. is a big, what you BS about right. with your friend. Like conversation you had with a stranger at the bank. Like, yeah. So while laying in bed, Victoria, her mind is racing, putting it all together, mm-hmm. realizes that her husband was, in fact, big reveal recording her conversations. Yeah, surveilling. So Victoria gets out of bed really quietly like a little mouse, takes a flashlight to look around. She finds the recording device in their main circuit panel in the basement. She plays the tape and hears her own voice. Speaking on the phone. Carmine. It's hard to believe that things actually get worse from that point. But they do. They do. Victoria goes to dinner with a group of friends, men and women, and they're discussing a book that she just published. Remember, she's an author. And Carmine becomes enraged with jealousy and drives to the restaurant to make a scene. 
he comes in, starts yelling. Then he goes to the car parked in front of the restaurant and just laid down his horn. And when Victoria refuses to come out to placate the temper tantrum her husband's throwing in the parking lot, what does Carmine do? Any guesses? He just drives his Mercedes through the restaurant's front window, through the storefront of the restaurant. There's out of control, and then there's whatever that is. It's terrible. It's terrifying is what that is. That's just a degree of not in control of yourself that's frightening. Things have not even reached a crescendo. We're going to take another quick break to hear from sponsors, and we'll be back to hear about the end of Carmine and Victoria. I can tell it's coming. All right, friends, things reach a crescendo when Carmine wakes Victoria up in the guest room where she'd been sleeping to get away from him. And here is what Victoria Gotti writes in her book about what happens next. At 3 a.m., I woke with a start. There was a heavy weight on my chest, crushing me with a vice-like grip. I opened my eyes and Carmine was straddling me and pointing a gun, my shotgun, at my face, just inches from my mouth. I was frozen. Carmine only laughed and said, So you think you're going to leave me? I don't think so. His eyes were empty of all reason. Say something, Carmine said. If I shoot you in the face, you won't be beautiful anymore. What's the matter? Cat's got your tongue? The tears were streaming down my face and my body was as still as a corpse. In the distance, my son's voice was coming from the top of the stairs. Then, just as quickly as the terrifying incident began, it ended. Carmine started laughing and quickly climbed off of me. He threw the shotgun under the bed and said, Are you scared? Come on, don't tell me you really believed I'd shoot you. I grabbed the children from a deep sleep and piled them in my Mercedes. I arrived at my mother's house at 4.45 a.m. I didn't tell her about the gun, just that Carmine and I had a fight, and I never told my father. I'd had enough. Nothing else mattered but getting away from Carmine on yellow. It came as no surprise one day when I received a call from my father's lawyer, Bruce Cutler. He said a DA in Chicago had contacted him. A man recently convicted of robbery and manslaughter had called the DA's office looking to make a deal. Hmm. The man claimed Carmine had asked him to put a contract out on my life. The man claimed my soon-to-be ex had offered to pay him $50,000. As a matter of law, the district attorney contacted Cutler. Victoria acknowledges that many people won't believe the next part of her story, but she swears it's true. She recounts when she learned that her husband was part of the life, quote-unquote, and she insists she had no idea prior to him coming home one night in 1998 and telling her that he was going to be arrested. Hmm. She believes his business is legitimate. So Victoria is naturally really confused about what Carmine would be arrested for. And Carmine proceeds to give her a convoluted story about (laughs) a business rival being accused of firebombing one of the competitor's tow trucks. He says it's all a sting operation set up by law enforcement and he fell into their sticky, sticky trap. Seems bad. Upset about the situation, Victoria calls her mother, Big Victoria, and this is Victoria's account of what happened next when she talks to her mom. 
I called my mother and I made a comment like, I just don't understand why law enforcement is so interested in Carmine. It's not like he's somebody, by which I meant somebody involved in the life. My mother's silence was chilling. Mm. I also said, if one reporter prints that Carmine is a mobster, I'm going to sue. And my mother said, Vicky, don't get Mm. involved in something you know nothing about. You'll only look foolish when the truth comes out. Oh, my gosh. And that's when I realized that Carmine was, in fact, part of the life and my mother had known. Obviously, my father knew this. In fact, he'd allowed it. I couldn't understand why, especially since he knew my feelings about the life. I wanted better for myself and my children. Didn't he? It was not until the year 2000 when prosecutors give Victoria tapes of her husband, who is having pretty intimate conversations with his mistress, who was also that bookkeeper that she wanted him to fire, that Victoria finally is like, you know what? I'm out. We're going to get divorced, please. Thank you. Finally, blessedly, Victoria Gotti files for divorce in September 2000. By this point, Victoria had written several books and had made some money on her own. Unfortunately, though, before realizing that her husband was having an affair and lying to her about everything, all of his legal issues, Victoria, God bless her little self, agreed to loan Carmine her personal savings. Yikes. I'm sure she got that all back, down to the last penny, right? Well, they also put up their $4.5 million Long Island mansion as collateral for his bail. All of these decisions, Victoria regrets very, very quickly because it leaves her destitute. With her father suffering from cancer in prison, Victoria is in dire financial straits. Victoria and her three sons face a lot of hardship during this time, she'll tell an interviewer. Let me tell you something, the secret that nobody else knows. I lasted in this house on my own with no money in the bank for about six months. The cars were gone. I was selling anything I had. We went two weeks without gas, electric, or heated water. But I was so determined that I was not going to my mother, I was not going to my father. As you may imagine, what followed was a shitstorm of legal and financial problems. To make matters worse, Victoria would lose her father to cancer in the middle of all of this. The Gotti family were not allowed to see John during his final days, and John Gotti dies alone in the federal prison hospital in Springfield, Missouri at the age of 61. What did Victoria cite as the reason for the divorce? Irreconcilable differences? No. Okay. We always say yes when that happens, but in this case, no. I would like to talk about divorce on the grounds of constructive abandonment. Mm. This is a new one, I think, on Trashy Divorces. And this again, because it's the year 2000 and New York did not create irreconcilable differences until 2008. Constructive abandonment. What this is, Victoria was able to prove constructive abandonment because the couple had had no sexual relations for more than a year as Carmine was in jail. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Convenient. So they file in 2000. The divorce was granted in 2003. Considering that most of the couple's 
assets were proven to have been gained illegally. There was not a great deal for Victoria to get. Upon Carmine's conviction, he was forced to relinquish over $10 million in marital assets. To the government, I'm guessing. Yes. yes. Okay. $10 million in marital assets yes. gone, as well as Carmine gets 10 years for racketeering. Victoria will get their Long Island mansion, though. In order for Victoria to support herself and her sons, the court will allow Victoria to keep commercial properties that Carmine owned in Queens. Now, the thing is, Victoria doesn't have legal ownership of these properties. The government takes possession of them in order to recoup some of the money that Carmine owed the government. However, Victoria was authorized to collect rent and to pay herself from monthly rental payments, the sum of $25,000 required to be paid by Agnello. Okay. So there's a little bit of money coming mm. in through the rentals on those properties, even though the buildings get Are, seized by the government. Sure. Okay. Uh, yeah, I guess that's... The the purpose of the criminal court is not to leave the person's family destitute. I guess that is one way around that. But, but Victoria, no keeping her down. She really is kind of a fierce warrior. The year <laughs> after her divorce was finalized, Victoria gets pretty creative about making some cash. She and her three sons become the stars of a reality show on the A&E channel called Growing Up Gotti. No one is more surprised by the success of the show in its first season than Victoria herself. Growing Up Gotti runs for three seasons and makes Victoria a little bit of a pop culture star. Since Growing Up Gotti, Victoria has appeared on many talk shows. She was a contestant on Celebrity Apprentice and did appear on an episode of The Real Housewives of New Jersey. Victoria has continued to write and in 2019... Lifetime made a movie, Victoria Gotti, My Father's Daughter. That movie was based on one of her books. Back though in 2016, Victoria's Long Island mansion was raided by the FBI in relation to a tax fraud investigation against Victoria and her sons. Hmm. In 2018, her eldest son, Carmine Gotti on yellow, pled guilty to operating an illegal scrapyard. <laughs> I'm surprised that they have scrapyards and such in New York City boroughs. Like Now, hold up. Okay, so Carmine, the son, did have a license to run a scrapyard, but it had expired. And although he had been approved for a new one, he didn't have one at the time. So, bad timing. Despite her best efforts, though, Victoria was unable to keep up with the payments on the Long Island mansion, and it was foreclosed on. Victoria was forced to leave her home with the estate being auctioned off in October 2022. Today, Victoria is reportedly doing fine financially due to her writing and television work, and she's living a relatively quiet life for her and enjoying her family. That is sort of the Trashy Divorces saga of Victoria Gotti and Carmine. It's all terrible. But I want to just follow up here before trash cans. I want to talk about making a scene at their son's wedding. Oh my, we've got a bigger follow-up on our bonus spider eggs at the end. So Patreon listeners, stay tuned. But 
in case anybody was worried that old Victoria may have had the wind knocked out of her sails by all of the hardship in her life. Don't worry. She's still feisty. In the year 2015, Victoria and Carmine, her ex-husband, both attend their son's wedding. Victoria takes a date. This is soap opera star Jack Scalia. Jack starred as Chris Stamp in All My Children. Apparently, Carmine, no Mercedes in the reception hall here, but Carmine doesn't really appreciate Victoria showing up to the wedding with a date with another man. And Carmine was heard shouting at Victoria, If you think it's over between us, you're dead wrong. And Victoria yells back, I divorced you a decade ago. Get used to it. Yep. Yep. All right, feisty. And that, my darlings, is the trashy divorces tale of maybe a lot more than a mafia princess, Victoria Gotti. Mm-hmm. I don't even know how many trash cans. I Yeah, that's quite a twisty-turny story. Oof. They're all in a steel scrapyard. It's where they live. Getting probably. shredded. Probably. Goodness. Swimming with the fishies. <laughs> Some. What a tale. I mean, good for her for making the most out of... That is tough, man. It's tough. Growing up with dad and out of prison and then being like a mafia king. Like, oof. Then to have the conversation with your mom like, babe, just shut up. Yeah. You don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, all right. Victoria Gotti. I love it. We are going to follow up with a... Spider Eggs about one of her son's marriages in 2015. Kind of a fun story there. That takes care of us for this week. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in, for listening, for being awesome, for all your trashy support. We'll be back with you on Sunday with fresh trash candy, hot baked right out of the oven. We can't wait to see you then, friends. Thanks again, everybody, for tuning in. Until we meet again this weekend, if we don't see you on Patreon first, we're going to need you to keep those hands clean. Keep your hearts trashy, friends. I mean, keep those hands really, really clean. No crime. <sighs> Decided lack of crime. Trashy hearts for sure. Sure. Real clean hands. Stay out of the FBI's way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Do recycle. We're very pro-recycling. <laughs> Big love, everybody. Have a great week. Bye. Bye. And thanks to you for listening. Trashy Divorces is a Hemlock Creatives production created and produced right here in Atlanta, Georgia by us, Stacy and Alicia, with a little research and writing help from the brilliant Melissa O. Our art is by Sydney V. Smith. That's Sydney V. Smith at CarbonMade.com. And our music is used with permission of Ratsy. Check her out at Ratsy's store on Instagram and definitely drop into Ratsy's store anytime you're in Oberlin, Ohio. You can contact us at trashydivorces at gmail.com or find us on the World Wide Web at trashydivorces.com. If you need more trash candy in your life, our Patreon community includes some of the very best humans around and thousands of hours of bonus content at every level of support. Join the fun at patreon.com slash trashydivorces. Interested in some Trashy Divorces swag? Check out our merch shop and Trash Panda Enthusiasm Society at bit.ly slash trashy gear. Want to advertise with us? Reach out to sales at advertisecast.com for more information. And last but not least, come play with us on social media. I keep most of our Trashy Divorces Instagram hopping, 
Stacy and I share it up over on Facebook, including our Trashy Divorces podcast discussion group. Come join us over there, and thanks again, everybody, for listening. Keep it trashy, y'all.